This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and leave us stars and reviews that are awesome. Thanks. Did you hear my uh, ongoing dispute with, with the podcast app on iTunes? What happened with the podcast app? So for some reason, in their latest update, they now no longer list reviews chronologically. So it's impossible for me to find new reviews to tweet about. And I'm very sad about this. It's just in random order. I'm just kind of brokenhearted. This is one of my favorite pastimes. It was to read hateful reviews. Yeah, just like hear the voice <laughs> of the people, you know. Um, so if that's you work for sad. Apple, get on that Apple. <laughs> this is your top priority. I did, contrary to what I think I said last week, I did go early vote. It was easy. Yay. There was no line. Yeah, I think um, my husband and I might go this weekend. I'm going out canvassing tomorrow. Um, nice. We were last decided- weekend. It'll yeah, be last weekend. So we just were deciding, Anne and I, my friend who I always canvass with, we've been like in dispute of whether we should go canvass for Sean Caston or Lauren Underwood, who are both near our yeah, district. Yeah. And we like we both have trouble making like arbitrary <laughs> decisions <laughs> um, because Caston's about a toss up. Yeah, they're both toss ups, more well, or less. Lauren Underwood's a little bit further behind, okay. and so I think we're going to go canvas for her. Okay. Um, very excited about very that. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have a very different show, I'm sure, next week. Jesus. <laughs> With oh, so much. Go lot, vote, especially yeah, if you listen vote. to this, since you're not going to vote for the crazy side. Yeah. Or even <laughs> if you do, just vote. I mean, don't no, vote for the don't. crazy side, but, like, listen. No, no, no. We should encourage Only vote civic. if you're voting for sane, good people who care about actual issues. It's not that I disagree with him, but I just wanted to be clear. I did not say that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh, I'll put my name on it. Don't don't vote if you're going to vote for, you know, Republicans who are going to make things worse. Um, sit home. It's okay. You can pray about it. I'm supposed to have a softball right. game on Tuesday night that I'm definitely going to skip. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really <laughs> upset about it. It's our last game. It's the playoffs, and I'm the pitcher. <laughs> let's uh, let's start. Wait, can I yeah. start with the thing? Please start with the thing. Um, so last week our um, episode touched on and was titled, um, including uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. And I was super disappointed in friendly atheist Facebookers. Who, oh no! What do they do? I don't read anything. There was just a lot of transphobic yeah. garbage, and I, I mean. The thing is, I'm assuming people who are commenting are probably not the same people who are listening because usually people just respond to like whatever the title is as yeah. opposed to like, I listened to it and these were my thoughts. Yeah. But fuck, that was disappointing. So people who are using transphobic language, you do not speak for us. Our, our trans brothers and sisters, we love you. And fuck all those other people. Do better, guys. Jesus, yeah. we're supposed to be the good guys. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. Um, so speaking of uh, horrible, horrible things. Um, okay, so in reaction to this sen- uh, the the synagogue shooting yep. that's happened, I think a day after we recorded or two days, so we didn't it have feels we haven't like a been year able ago. yeah we haven't been able to talk about it yet. Um, I mean, it's awful. I did see several atheist organizations express their sympathies, which mm-hmm. is good to see too. I do want to talk about a few things that have happened in connection to that since. One of them was the White House counselor, I guess that's her title, Kellyanne Conway, who went on Fox and Friends, and she said the reason this shooter killed 11 people, murdered them, and counting, Mm -hmm. I I think. Like, it was me. I saw numbers that went up past 11, I don't know. But she said the reason 
for the crime was not anti-Semitism, was mm-hmm. not the hatefulness of the shooter, no. as much as anti-religiosity in general. And here's what she actually said. Uh, she said, the anti-religiosity in this country that is somehow in vogue and funny to make fun of anybody of faith hey, and is constantly... All, it's extremely funny. Yeah. And is constantly making fun of people who express religion, the yep. late night comedians, the unfunny people on TV shows... It's always anti-religious. Wait, she didn't name check podcasters? Uh, no. God damn it. And remember, these people were gunned down in a place of worship, as were the people in South Carolina several years ago, and they were there because they're people of faith, and it's that faith that needs to bring us together. This is no time to be driving God out of the public square. But when they, there is a church shooting, it was anti-Christian. Of but, course. So why isn't this anti-Semitic. Because it would make Trump people look really bad if you pinpointed his nasty rhetoric. Um, the Because again, it's not that Trump himself says all the anti-Semitic stuff, right? but his followers sure do, right. some of them. So what I think is really interesting about this is like, obviously... And by all, the way, I, I should yeah. point out the, the shooter actually said he wasn't a Trump supporter because he thought Trump was basically too owned by the Jews. So it's not like there was a lot of issues going on with this guy. So I know, obviously, like racism, homophobia, all that, it's all learned. But I grew up in an area that didn't have a particularly big Jewish population. And so anti-Semitism felt very distant from me. It felt like World War II was anti-Semitism. And, and I know that's extremely naive of me and just is reflective of, like, the world I grew up in. But I don't know anti-Semitism. I cannot believe that this is what we're getting to. Like, mm-hmm. the Islamophobia was awful and still is awful and is still a huge issue. But I just didn't expect it to come to anti and to people like you're who looking are, for groups to hate yeah. when you're anti-Semitic. It's just why like I don't I don't understand it and maybe it's because I just don't have a thorough background in why there is anti I don't know. And, and again it's probably well, you're looking for a logical explanation to an illogical thing. Yeah. But the problem with blaming anti-religiosity uh, a few reasons. One is the problem isn't church-state separation. That's not what led this guy to do this. Right. It's not Stephen Colbert or John Oliver or whoever's mocking religion on TV because they they never mock religion. I wish they mocked religion. They don't. Bill Maher's the only one who mocks religion, and he makes a point of that. And the rest of them... He doesn't speak for me. <laughs> sure, but like the rest of them are very clear. I mean, Colbert is Catholic. Right. Other ones don't talk about religion. They do point out religious hypocrisy, sure. which is totally fair game. But like but this if idea you're religious, that you don't divide between those two things to make fun of a person who is acting upon their religion in an illogical or hateful way is attacking that person's religion. Right. Like so when you're going after these um, what would uh, uh, Colbert do not Colbert. Uh, John mm-hmm. Oliver do with the, uh, the wealth, church, the wealth. Yeah, the, he prosperity. did a thing on the prosperity gospel and prosperity pretending gospel. to be a thing. But he wasn't making fun of Christians. He was right. making fun of a specific group of them but who they, take advantage of Christians. But they can't divide between those two Right, things. they assume it's all persecution, or at least Kellyanne Conway thinks it'll rile up their base right. to blame this on liberal comedians as opposed to deranged like conspiracy theorists on right-wing conspiracy websites Uh and by the way she pointed out that you know these people were gunned down in place of worship the people in south carolina in charleston were gunned down at a place of worship in charleston 
the guy who did the killing, the the kid who did the killing, was Lutheran. He attended a church. He oh. made clear that it was a racially motivated attack. It wasn't faith-based. Yeah. And in the case of this shooter in the synagogue, his, his, uh, bio, his short bio on the right-wing Twitter version, mm-hmm. the Gab website, was basically Jews are the children of Satan, Yikes. which suggests he believes in Satan. He also said other yeah. things that say he believes in Jesus. I'm not saying he represents Christians in any way, but this guy believes in the supernatural stuff. So to suggest that he did it because it was anti-faith. Right. Like, no, no, no. He believed in crazy supernatural stuff, and I don't think that's why he killed them. Yeah. Well, But and he, don't blame it that he's non-religious or that he's anti-religious. Yeah, and we're talking about two people. And, and there's the other racially motivated shooting in Indianapolis, I think, that just happened in like a Kroger. Was that the Kroger? Yeah. Yeah. Um, these people are saying, I don't like this group. I am going to hurt this group. Here I go. I'm hurting this group for this reason. I wonder why they did it. And it's it's just <laughs> so. I know I'm. It's naive again. Uh, but how can they be so disingenuous? Of like this guy was racist. He hated black people. He shot black people. That's not anti-Christian. This guy was an anti-Semite. He hated Jews, so he right. killed Jews. That's not anti. Like it's how how are we supposed to communicate with anybody if just words don't mean anything anymore? Yeah, the question I have with several people in that in the administration is, do you actually believe any of the bullshit you're saying, or do you just really believe the people who voted for Trump are so stupid that they'll believe you when you make up these lies? Because, yeah, it's one or the other. Um, either she's and smart I don't know enough which to is worse. <laughs> yeah, either she's smart enough to know what's going on and lying about it to, right. to get the base riled up, or she's genuinely that dumb that she doesn't realize that anti-Semitism wasn't like, that was the root cause. How do you right. not know that? Right. Um, by the way, plenty of evangelicals, the type that hang out with Trump and actually see him, have said all sorts of horrible things about other religions. This right. is not limited to like the outside of this the bubble. Isn't, and this isn't new. Yeah. Um, and plenty of those evangelicals who meet with Trump on a regular basis have plenty of thoughts about where Jews are going in the afterlife. I'm not saying that's anti-Semitic. They believe that about everybody yeah, who doesn't that agree about with us them. Too. But this guy, the shooter, was uniquely like, no, it's that group that has to go. I mean, it's totally disingenuous, and that's yeah. putting it mildly. Um, there's a there's a few other things let's talk about with the the shooting okay. that happened. One of them is Mike Pence held an event. Uh, I forgot where it was, but in Michigan, he was doing a campaign rally and the event opened up with a, I'm putting big quote hands up, a rabbi who represented Jews for Jesus. Oh, okay. I heard about this, but I didn't dig in. I am thrilled to hear more about it. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy's uh, name is Lauren Jacobs. He represents, or at least as he said it, he's Jews for Jesus. Here's the thing. Obviously, if you're Christian, you believe Jesus was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. He is he is your conduit to God. Jews don't believe that. That's right. kind of their thing. That's one the big one of the big things that distinguishes those two groups. And this guy, it's kind of like saying in the aftermath of all these Jewish people getting killed, you invited a guy whose specific goal mm. is to say, "Hey, I'm basically an evangelical Christian." But hey, but Jews who, who have Jewish heritage or you're ethnically Jewish, uh-huh. come by, come accept Jesus and join the good side. That's essentially what they did. Jews don't consider Jews for Jesus 
actual Jews. Uh-huh. You're basically Christians in disguise who are trying to get Jews over in a more, you know, palliative um, really? way. Yeah. So he couldn't find like a Jewish an actual rabbi Jewish okay. person. Do I they guess not have those. In I don't Michigan? know who they asked. I don't know who said no, but they brought this guy who made very clear appeals to Jesus in the prayer that he gave. That's awful. Um, That's so fucked. So not just tone deaf, but directly like spitting in the face right. of Jews when you bring up a guy like that. Um, and again, it's not only that Jews don't like Jews for Jesus because they you're not actually Jewish. Right. It's that he, even the Jews for Jesus people are like, this guy isn't ordained with us. He Wait, hasn't he's been. not even like on their good terms? He's not even on good terms with them. Jesus. He's just this basically random guy who has no support from anyone except, apparently, Mike Pence and the, the candidate who brought him there. So, oh, st- again, tone deaf and just stupid. slap in the face to the Jewish people. And speaking of Mike Pence, I didn't write this down, but did you hear what he said about like Oprah and some shit? Go for it. So, Oprah and... Oh, fuck. Who's the other person? Can you look up? It was, um, Oprah and somebody else were canvassing Will Ferrell, for... Were canvassing Will Ferrell, thank you. Abrams. For Stacey Abrams, who um, hopefully will be the next governor of Georgia. <laughs> Mike Pence said something to the effect of like, oh, I hear all these celebrities are canvassing for her, but let me tell you guys something. I'm also kind of a big deal. Like, oh my God. How <laughs> and I think he genuinely met. That wasn't a self deprecating joke. I think he's like, I'm the vice president. I'm a big deal, too. Do you think Dude. it was an Anchorman reference? Do you know that? I have seen the movie a long time ago, okay, but don't I, don't, worry, I, know it all I don't think he's aware enough. To make that joke. Uh, here's the thing about that, about Anchorman, which yeah. is a movie I absolutely love. It also, people, this is very judgy of me, but people use quoting of that movie as a substitute for actual humor. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they're not funny, they can say anything. And to me, Mike Pence falls so squarely into that thing of like, I'm not funny, but I'm going to say a thing that everybody will recognize. It's not funny in context, but... It's like Ted Cruz, who tweeted something, like, on Halloween. It was a Zodiac Killer reference. How dare you slightly soften me to you, Ted Cruz? That was pretty funny, but still, fuck you. But that was kind of the joke where it's like, think Ted Cruz has to joke about being a serial killer to To be be more more likable. But here's the thing about Mike Pence's comment. It wasn't a joke or not a joke aside. He basically blasted Hollywood elites coming to Georgia to stump for Stacey Abrams as if there's a problem. That's one thing. The other thing is Georgia is one of like maybe in the top three states where they will give you give Hollywood oh, tax subsidies filmed if you in film here. Right now. Basically, everything. if you've ever seen a TV show with the Georgia Peach at the very uh-huh. end, that's kind of one of their requirements. Yep. And they say, look, you tape it here. We'll give you all the tax breaks you want. We will make it easy for you because it's good for us. It's good for business when yeah. you tape here. So Hollywood loves them, mm-hmm. but there a lot of Hollywood people, directors, produce, production companies have basically said, if Brian Kemp wins, we're moving our production out. Yeah. We, won't, we don't want to... because. Kemp supports like discrimination laws, mm-hmm. uh, anti uh, basically we can fire you for being trans, being gay. They're like, we're not going to do business there. So to blame, to, for Mike Pence to slam Hollywood, Hollywood is a huge part of their economy. Yeah. And I, it also is frustrating that how like people act like Hollywood is this 
other planet, which, like, it informs our culture. Like, you love Hollywood. You see movies all of the time. Why? I don't know. I just... I mean, it's shorthand for everything we don't like. Yeah. Coastal it's just like elitists. San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi from San... San Francisco's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with San Francisco values. You would be lucky if you had San Francisco values. <laughs> don't be mad about that just because you don't like who it represents well, them. And also, let's not forget the hypocrisy of like Kanye West is pro-Trump. Everyone's like, I love Kanye <laughs> West. And then Taylor Swift is like, hey, don't, don't vote for Republicans. And they're like, why are these celebrities not minding their own <laughs> business? Stay in your yeah. lane. Taylor Swift. That's what. That's what that's everyone what sounds, sounds like. like yeah. In my head. Um, and one more thing with the the funerals for the people who were killed. Oh, I heard is about that a couple of Muslim groups said, "Look, I'm paraphrasing. We're in the same boat. We're a religious minority that right. is uh, the target of extremists. Uh-huh. We they understand what they're going through. But a couple of Muslim groups said we want to raise money for the funeral expenses." And they raised, uh, at least by my last count, it was more than one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars from the t- from thirty six hundred donors in two days. Yeah. That's from two groups called Celebrate Mercy and M Power Change. Those are Muslim American groups. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's a show of unity. I know the one of the speakers who was heard said, "Look, if you need guards outside your synagogues, we will be there for you. If yeah. you need money, if you need support in any way, you let us know." That's awesome. That yeah. I mean, that's the sort of interfaith activity I can totally get behind. Get behind. Um, yeah, and also more power to him. Yeah, one one more caveat or one more footnote, I guess, is that Trump said that there, the problem was there was no armed guards in front of the synagogue or whatever. A, I think it was four cops that were wounded, yeah. who were, I believe, an, a, a cop is another form of armed guard. And B, is that the is that his utopia that there needs to be an armed guard with an AK-47 in front of every church and every school and every synagogue? How is that religious freedom? I mean, the freedom to worship peacefully is something Trump's people keep saying this is what they're fighting for. But if you need an armed guard so that you can worship in peace, we no, don't have religious freedom. But, but they say that about everything. They say that about schools as well. It's like they're supporting oh, yeah, this, the daycare, this internal arms race yeah. of like, oh, you guys have... Instead of saying maybe people shouldn't have war weapons right. on the street. Keep in mind that if someone had like a semi-automatic gun, uh, a guard is stationed outside this thing, and a shooter came and killed people anyway... The response isn't going to be maybe we were wrong. It's going to be well, you more needed a guards. big more guards, bigger, Bazookas. Power, more powerful guns, tanks. Yeah, it's just it, it, I don't know. I I don't understand it. It it sucks. Um, can I talk about a couple uh, feminist issues, please? Please. Um, so I've got two that are different and also the same. Um, so there is a, a young woman named uh, Lauren McCluskey. She was, uh, she's a University of Utah uh, senior, um, and she was, um, the last couple of weeks, she was murdered by um, a man named Melvin Rowland. He's 37 years old. So they dated a month before she ended it. Um, she found out that he had been lying about his name, his age, and his criminal activity. He was a registered sex offender. He was convicted on felony charges of enticing a minor and attempted forcible sexual abuse in 2004. So released, released from prison that same year. Um, he somehow managed to get a gun, though, so that's yeah, that unclear. <clears throat> so essentially, this woman tried to break up with him. 
she did break up with him. He did the thing where he was mad about her trying to break up with him. So she, uh, he was stalking her. Um, he had her car. Um, and, and ultimately, <clears throat> he shot and killed her, left her in, in a backseat of a car. Jesus. So the background of this is she contacted university police um, at least three times in the, the week before she was ultimately murdered. Um, according to uh, Lauren's mother, she tried to distance herself from him. She tried to get help from authorities. Quote, she blocked his friends and family's phone number, complained to University of Utah police that she was being harassed. Ultimately, nothing happened, and ultimately, this this young woman who was a track star, who by all accounts was a very prom- had a very promising future, um, was murdered. And I don't know if I call the university police three times in a week. I guess I hope they'll do something. But the whether or not she whether she was not taken seriously, or whether they didn't believe it was a high priority or or they had too much other shit going on. I don't know. Um, but it's just one, a one in a litany of examples of women not being taken seriously to their demise. Um, I also want to say that uh, the CDC said that 55% of murdered women are killed by a current or former intimate partner. Um, women, um, so... If you are in a situation, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is open 24 hours, 1-866-331-9474, or text LOVEIS to 22522. Um, Second one, which is less tragic, but pretty fucked up. There's a gynecologist named Barry King. Um, In 2017... There is a woman who worked for King. She is a breast cancer survivor. She had a double mastectomy and just found a vaginal le- a vaginal lesion. She is concerned that that meant her cancer was back. So she um, so she asked King if she if he would give her a vaginal exam to to check it out. Afterwards, he told her husband he told her to ask her husband to take a look at her vagina when she got home. And also, she had gone to the bathroom and noticed something purple. Turned out. King had dyed her vagina purple as a joke for the husband. What? I don't know how one dyes one's vagina purple. I don't know what happened. Um, but the violation of that is in, like, I, I cannot, I cannot imagine um, he said it was a joke for her husband, which is beyond <laughs> fucked that her vagina is just a way to convey a joke between two men. <laughs> um, she found out that King told her coworkers about it. Oh, great. Um, Patient they, confidentiality, mm-hmm, too. They charged him with harassment instead of sexual assault because, quote, prosecutors didn't think that they could prove sexual intent. Jesus. The woman who's... Um, who's unnamed, she said when, this is so sad, uh, when she figured out what happened, she said, I didn't want to ruin his life. I was just going to get another job and leave like most victims do. Um, So King was charged with misdemeanor count, not going to face any jail time. He has to do 100 hours of public service and apologize to his victim. As of uh, last Friday, he has not yet apologized and he's currently, currently practicing on a military base in Louisiana. So when I say we don't take women seriously, it's shit like this. 
Like, not only did this guy feel okay doing this really fucked up thing, but everyone was like, it wasn't sexual, so it's not a big deal. I know, Daddy, I'm mad too. So let me go to this terrifying story with a somewhat happy ending. This is in Pakistan. Um, There was a woman who was given the death penalty and the Supreme Court overturned it. That's the good news. Okay. But this story is messed up in so many ways. So here's the version of the story, and there are many different ones because it's hard to get kind of reliable information on this one. In 2009, a Christian woman named Asia Bibi, this is, she's a minority in a country that is predominantly Muslim. Uh-huh. Um, the story is she was offered water, someone offered somebody water, uh, that she had drank a little bit of, and okay. they said, we can't drink it because you're unclean. Yikes. Because uh, you're Christian. Something they said, you have to convert to Islam. She didn't want to do it. She said something about Muhammad. Who is, who is this trying to... Who's saying that she has These to... are people she's working with in the field. I don't know how okay. it works. But basically, colleagues of hers said, this woman blasphemed against Muhammad. Okay. She did that... Um, and they told, they informed, they ratted her out to authorities. Cool. Suddenly, she was convicted of blasphemy and sentenced to die for it because wow. it's insane over there. Um, and again, what was her crime? It was she's a Christian and she made some reference to Muhammad that involved her basically saying, I don't worship him. And okay. they took that as blasphemy. The thing is, that ruling was upheld by an appeals court. Like in 2014, five years later. And this is one of those stories that it seems like normal enemies are all getting together in support of her. Because you had church-state separation people saying blasphemy isn't a crime. Don't go after her. Uh You had the Christian right saying she's a good Christian woman. What are you doing? Right. So they were on her side. Pope Benedict XVI, who was pope at the time, Mm -hmm. was like asking the Pakistani government for mercy for her. Mm Mm-hmm. So everyone's basically saying, what are you doing? She didn't do anything wrong, even by your account. Right. She didn't do anything wrong. Right. And this, and by the way, one other side note to this is that there was a candidate for the governor of a state of Pakistan who said, yeah, we should repeal the blasphemy laws. And he defended her. And then an extremist murdered him. Whoa. And there were rallies on the street in support of the murderer. What? Yeah. Crazy how this all went down. So this story's been in the news for years because anyone who's defending her is punished. Mm -hmm. uh, They're executed for it. She's about to be executed for it. Uh For what? For nothing. Right. And so now this goes to the Pakistani Supreme Court. And a lot of people were worried that the Supreme Court, in this case, just kind of three judges, I believe, that they were... They were going to uphold the ruling because they didn't want to become targets themselves. Jesus. But this week, those Supreme Court justices said they would overturn the ruling because the allegations were basically fictional. And among the things they said, um, the alleged confession that Asya Bibi had made... It wasn't even voluntary. There was like a mo- the the argument was she confessed to doing this, mm-hmm. and the judges said, "Yeah, but she was surrounded by a mob. They were gonna kill her if she didn't confess." Yeah. So you can't take that as evidence. Right. Are you kidding me? That's like a literal witch hunt right there. They also said things like 
um, they basically tore apart all the evidence against her, mm-hmm. saying this is unreliable. You're basically accusing her of something that she has no way of defending herself against. Uh-huh. And ultimately, they said, okay, we're overturning every uh, appeal that's been made against you, every conviction. You're acquitted. You're free to go. Okay. But now that leads to another... So that's good news. But that leads to another problem, because where the hell is she going to go? Because the second she's... What, do you think she's going to walk on the street now? No, they'll go after her themselves, because the fear was not the government executing her... The government was the the problem was if she isn't executed by the state, right. the extremists are going to do it anyway. Right. And I think last time I heard, she still she hasn't been let go yet, and for good reason. Like, right. where is she going to go? But again, all this goes back to this idea that when you treat blasphemy as a crime, when extremists and yes, in this case, it's extremist Islam, but extremists of any faith, when they have this belief that if you insult my religion, mm-hmm. you're the problem right. and you must die for that. That is something that no civil society should tolerate. And so now the question is, how is Pakistan going to keep this woman safe? How are they going to make sure blasphemy isn't used as a witch hunt sort of like she's a witch drown her right you can't use blasphemy like that right and how do you do that without offending religious sensibilities and Mm -hmm. i don't know that there's a way for them to do that at the same time temporarily good move by the supreme court yeah like it's kind of nice to see justice work even though it totally that's it's such a small (sighs) thing they did in the grand scheme of things right but because it should have happened a long time ago. It's right. just sad that it took literally at this point nine years. Uh, and this woman has no life, more or less. Yeah, her life is, anymore. no matter what, her life is ruined. Yeah. So Ugh. anyway, that story happened. Here's a more entertaining one that's also insane. Okay. Um, and I know you want to talk about this too. There is a Washington state rep named Matt Shea Ugh. who has been in the legislature since 2009. He's always won his state house races very comfortably. Um, and again, he's the head of the state's Republican Party, um, or at least their Republican caucus. Like he's a radical right guy in the Pacific Northwest, which is kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. So now he's running for his fifth term on Tuesday. Um, and again, because he's a right-wing guy, he's a Republican, comfortably winning, he kind of gets away with saying whatever the hell he wants. Right. What's, and by the way, things he said. He supported the extremists like Clive and Bundy who are trying to take over federal Jeez. land. Yeah. He believes the U.S. is collaborating in a conspiracy called the New World Order, like the Illuminati sure. bullshit stuff. He has said FEMA camps, uh, they're, I, I don't even know what he's getting into. FEMA camps. Uh, that there are conspiracies that Alex Jones had spread about FEMA setting up these camps for people oh. that he bought into. He agrees that the press is the enemy of the people. There's a lot of things this guy does that shouldn't, that he shouldn't be reelected. Right. But the thing that got the news Sounds this like he week, shouldn't necessarily be on the streets. Yeah. Um, one of the newspapers in the Pacific Northwest, uh, they basically got a hold of a four-page document that he had authored called, uh, where he discussed the, quote, biblical basis for war. And this is a crudely made uh, word document with a lot of bullet points. Uh Basically, like one of the sections is called rules of war, which is how you handle enemies of, of biblical law. One of the bullet points says, if they do not yield, 
kill all males. Which is weird because that's in my manifesto. <laughs> so I don't know how he plagiarized my work. Man, uh, other stuff that is in there that the biblical warrior should never attack or kill productive citizens because they're your base of support after the enemy is, is defeated. That code for white? I don't know. He also, it says you should ban abortion. You should ban same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, As one person put it, this is a sheriff in Spokane County. It is a how-to manual consistent with the ideology and operating philosophy of the Christian identity slash Aryan nations movement. Um, And that sheriff said, I gave that thing straight to the FBI. It's so wild. Can you imagine? What? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what to say. It's just what's it's scary, scary is I don't think this is going to hurt his chances of winning again. But it's frightening stuff. The yeah. fact that he wrote this document, he didn't say no, it's not mine. It was on one of his flash drives. He said, um, first of all, it was a, this is what he said on Facebook Live. First of all, it was a summary of a series of sermons on biblical war in the Old Testament as part of a larger discussion on the history of warfare. This document in and of itself was not a secret. I've actually talked about portions of this document publicly. So he's not even distancing himself from it. He's bragging about it. And by the way, what part of the Old Testament wars do we say, we need to ban abortion and kill all... Yeah, I don't remember that one. Yeah. That's... But the, here's what's also freaky is that this thing should be bigger news, and it's like the 97th most <laughs> crazy Republican oh, thing. I know what you that mean. The party is doing leading into the elections. Uh, speaking of the elections, uh-huh. I know it's we're days away from 2018 elections, but certain people are already looking ahead to 2020. Uh huh. Um, namely, Michael Avenatti. Oh yes. Kevin, do you know who Michael Avenatti is? Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Stormy Daniels' lawyer, by all accounts, doing a good job representing her. And then, and then he was like, "I think I'm going to run for president." And everyone's like, "Well, actually, <laughs> don't or not? Yeah, try not to." Um, so. Michael Avenatti <laughs> um, had an interview with Time Magazine, because I guess we're going to take this guy super seriously. Uh-huh. Um, and they asked, they asked him what, they, what he thinks the Democratic Party's choice to take on President Trump in 2020 should be. And he said, quote, I think it had better be a white male. Um, he said that um, he wished it wasn't the case that white men... Th- I'm sorry, uh... Avenatti said in the piece that he wished it was not the case that white men, as he and Trump are, listened to more than are listened to more than people of other races or genders. But he believed his identity was part of why he'd been able to defend adult film stars, Stormy Daniels, and immigrant mothers. "Quote: When you have a white male making the argument, they carry more weight. Should it carry more weight? Absolutely not. But do they? Yes. So I will. I'll tell you what. I as much as I don't like those statements." I don't wrong. know that he's wrong about Yeah, no, he's, he's not, not wrong, wrong about that. I've but heard people voice the same thing of like, we need to get a middle of the road white dude to yeah. get in and just like right the ship. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is a strategic value to that. I get that. Here is the thing about Avenatti, though. I, one, I don't think he would su- be successful in the party because Democrats aren't the ones that choose the crazy out there. Outliers. So just because you're effective when you're talking and you can talk up a good game, that's not necessarily a winning strategy in a party full of the people who care about policy and who aren't impressed by the fact that you're good on TV. Right. And he is good on TV. But that's something that 
like Republicans are impressed by. That's why Donald Trump can just uh, get through the primaries no matter what he says. Right. Because they like that he's throwing punches to everybody and they don't care about the racist stuff. Democrats don't work that way. So I don't think he would be successful in the party. I know what he's saying strategically, Mm -hmm. but it's just not going to work. I mean, Democrats are the people who get happy about the prospect of someone like Elizabeth Warren, whether or not she gets the nomination. Right. They're not going to be fooled by a guy who just got into this and seems self-serving in what he's doing. Right. So uh, even if you agree that his argument was strategic, that you need a white guy who could talk up a game, who can punch back with Donald Trump. Right. But like... Andrew Gillum did it great in that debate yeah. against Ron DeSantis in Fuck, Florida. That was great. Like, oh, it's it not so like Avenatti the only game in town here either. And other people know the policy and care about public service yeah. more than he does. So I, I, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's just a strong bummer that yeah. that's where we are. Um, since we're talking about the uh, election, one of the things that I've seen this week is a push. It's not a calculated push, but... How many white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump in 2016? All? <laughs> it's Most. roughly 80%, give or take okay. uh, a, a couple percentage points. Mm-hmm. But the exit polls said basically 80, 81% of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. Now, in the two years since, there hasn't really been much distance. I think it's high 70s in terms of white evangelicals who still support Donald Trump today. <laughs> And that's a problem if you're an evangelical who actually cares about faith more than politics. Right. Because that guy's hanging around your neck right. at all times. And good, because I'm going to keep pretending they are linked up. Because uh-huh. um, they are, more or less. But there's now this push for people to distance themselves from the politics. A lot of white evangelicals are like, I didn't vote for him because I liked him. I voted for him because I had no other choice because I couldn't vote for a pro-choice Democrat Mm -hmm. who would have brought down the abortion rates by doing other things. Like They say all these things to suggest, let me distance myself from Trump because we know the stuff he says and does is awful, but he's the only way we get everything we want. So they don't want to say that out loud. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that... Uh, the New York Times did this week, for example, is they basically asked young evangelicals, hey, what do you think about politics right now? Uh, What do you think about the evangelical church? What do you think about Donald Trump? They got 1,500 responses. They followed up with a number of them. Mm -hmm. They profiled about six of them for an article. And one of the things you saw is people saying, look, I am a Christian, but the party that's getting behind Trump does not represent Christianity to me, they are not speaking for Jesus. Right. A lot of that sort of thing. Um, some of them defended Trump, but a lot of them were basically saying, I'm voting for a Democrat this time around, whether it's for Congress or for governor or for Senate um, or for the House, because they said these people are actually living out the values that I as a Christian uh, want to see in public life. Right. Which is to say... They're basically saying Democrats are the ones practicing what they preach. Mm-hmm. Even on abortion, I think some of them who might not have done so otherwise are recognizing that the policies Democrats want to push, they don't like the, the evangelicals don't like the pro-choice aspect of it, mm-hmm. but they understand that if you get accessible contraception and health insurance and a minimum wage so that people can afford right. to have a baby and stuff, abortion becomes less of an option for women who feel like they have no other choice. So they get what they want. The evangelicals mm-hmm. get what they want. 
the pro-choice side gets what we want. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, the Democrats, the better way to handle this, because look, if Trump gets his way and Christians, the evangelicals get their way and the Supreme Court strikes down Roe v. Wade, that's not going to stop abortion. It's just going to make it more unsafe. If they take away sex education, comprehensive sex education, or they don't make healthcare accessible to everybody, more people are going to get pregnant who have no business being pregnant, who don't want to get pregnant. pregnant. And that's bad if you're trying to make a case for why abortion shouldn't be the first option on your mind. So I think it's worth noting that, one, some of them want to distance themselves from Trump. Mm -hmm. We'll see if they actually follow through with that when it comes to how Christians vote in the midterms Mm -hmm. and in 2020. One other thing that's worth mentioning is... And I did not notice this, but a guy I follow on Twitter, Christopher Stroop, did a nice job of explaining this uh, in an article. He basically said there was a survey in Christianity Today written by a guy who writes for them um, who said he conducted a survey of evangelicals and he said they did not vote for Donald Trump because they like Trump. They're not proud of his bigotry. They're not happy with the things he says and does. Uh And it wasn't just that he promised to give them uh, judges on the Supreme Court or push anti-abortion policies. They cared about the economy, and they felt Trump was better on the economy. They cared about, whatever, health care, and they feel Republicans somehow will do better on health care. So see, it's not that they voted for him because they liked him. It's not that they voted for him because he was the lesser of two evils in their minds. It's because they just felt he was better on policy. So stop categorizing white evangelicals as awful people. I think that was the gist of what this survey was trying to get at. What Chris Stroop is saying is notice what they did there when they did their survey. They didn't say, hey, white evangelicals, why did you vote for Trump? And here are the reasons they presented. They said, hey, all evangelicals, based Mm -hmm. on what you believe, which is a much wider net, Mm -hmm. why did you vote the way you did? What did you care about in the election? Because now you're talking to black evangelicals. Now you're talking to Hispanic evangelicals, most of whom did not like Trump, most of whom definitely don't like him now. And it's like, you're getting away from the core culture war issues Uh that a lot of the white evangelicals care about. Um, So it's kind of like you're downplaying how awful the values of white evangelicals actually are. Right. And that's something I I should have noticed, I feel, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know to be on the lookout for that, but Mm -hmm. it was was sneaky how they did that. So one thing I'm definitely going to be paying attention to after the midterms is how did these different groups vote? A problem that we've had with atheists, um, I think non-believers in general, but specifically atheists, is that no matter how we are like 25% of the population, but we're only 12% of the people who vote. We don't like punch our weight Mm -hmm. uh, in that sense. Whereas white evangelical Christians are a shrinking percentage of American society, but they always vote. They churn out. And the question is, if, if Trump's the guy they have to vote for, are they going to not turn out or are they going to support Democrats down the line? It'll be interesting to look at. And as well as non-believers right. and religious minorities who have so much to lose, mm-hmm. will any of this matter yeah. and will people vote for the Democrats? So <sighs> we'll see. Uh, here's a total side story not connected to any of this. Okay. Um, it involves Catholic hospitals in Canada And unlike the U.S., Canada has better rules about what a hospital can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, it's legal for you to choose to end your own life. 
permitted, you go through all the steps. So, like, you have to have a terminal illness. A, two different doctors have to say, yes, you qualify. You are at the end of your life. If you want to not prolong the suffering, we can help you end right. life on your own terms. So that's legal in Canada. But that presents a problem for Catholic hospitals, which consider the death penalty, suicide. They consider all these things to be sins. Mm -hmm. They don't want to help you with it. And here's the situation in one hospital in Alberta. There's a woman named Doreen Nowicki. She's suffering from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. She, is, she meets every requirement for wanting to end her own life. Mm -hmm. She's not Catholic, but she ended up at a Catholic hospital, and she really liked the nursing staff and everything, so she stayed there. And then she wanted to meet with a doctor to talk about end-of-life options. Uh -huh. There is an exception in the rules that if you can't, like, move yourself to go meet with the doctor outside the hospital, the doctor can come to you in the hospital okay. and talk about it, even though that goes against the Catholic hospitals, like, dictates. In this case, the doctor was ready to come to her because she couldn't move. And the hospital basically said, hey, we are, the exemption doesn't apply anymore. I don't know how they did that exactly, but they basically said, we're not allowing this doctor to come in to talk to you. That meant her family had to use a mechanical lift to get her out of bed, Jesus. wheel her outside to the sidewalk where everyone's walking past mm -hmm. to have a meeting with her doctor about how to end her life. While strangers are just... It's a private conversation about the most Jesus. difficult subject ever. And they had to do it out in the open because the Catholic hospital's like, nah, you can't talk about it in here. How um, is this still going on? Like, why are we okay with this? Yeah, it's, this is what happens when you let religious groups take over what ought to be in the patient's best interest. Mm -hmm. That's what a hospital should be. And in this case, they're interested in whatever the bishops want. Now, she eventually moved to a different hospital uh, with the help of her family, and she was able to end her life on her own terms. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she couldn't even meet with the doctor in private, in the privacy of her hospital bedroom, because religion so said the doctor's not allowed here, that is disturbing. Now, the, the hospital's administration basically said, we're reviewing the situation, we're taking steps to clarify procedures, Every patient, they said, in Alberta deserves the same level of dignified and compassionate care, even though as a Catholic hospital, patients are not their primary goal, like, to help out. They are not there to do what's in the best interests of the people who are staying there. Uh -huh. They don't care if you suffer. And there was a famous incident a year or two ago when the end-of-life thing was still being debated, where basically a Catholic hospital said, We're, you, you're not dying here, not with the doctor's help. And basically a guy who was suffering had to wait three hours in excruciating pain oh. until an ambulance could come take him to a secular hospital. And on the drive there, it's like a bumpy road. It was Jesus. hurting him even worse. Basically, the Catholic hospital said, we don't want to help you, so go suffer for several hours until you could die in agony. Just like because, Jesus would just want. Just like Jesus would want. Yeah, it's just awful, awful. Oh, this was depressing, Hammond. Do you well, have any more? I'm done. I've got one more that I want to end on because um, I would really like your take on this. Yes. And I feel like it is the only lighthearted thing I have this week. Okay. This has been, for some reason, a singularly depressing episode. <laughs> um, so we live in Illinois, we as do. you know. Heard of it. 
So um, Belleville is south. It's in southern Illinois, so it's southwest. Yeah, like bordering on Missouri? Like, yeah. Yeah, super south on You've the border. You've got a computer in front of you. Tell me where it is. Um, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. Um, so there is uh, the bishop of the Belleville Diocese, um, and he dropped in on a couple Catholic schools this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the... Uh, one, he went to Blessed Sacrament School, and he answered students' questions about clergy sex abuse, famous people he'd met, and asked what they would and asked them what they would dress for for Halloween. At Our Lady, uh, excuse me, Our Lady Queen of Peace in Belleville, he told fifth and sixth graders that there is no Santa Claus and that they should not celebrate Halloween. They should not celebrate Halloween. Halloween. I'm yeah. sorry, it's just silly. Um. So apparently, which, okay, I don't know. Do your kids believe in Santa Claus? Um, I think they're too small to know Santa. Okay. But the three-year-old will. Okay. And she'll be, she'll believe it. <laughs> she'll believe whatever the fuck she'll, you Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not old enough, I don't think, to debunk Santa. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it, the like, little, fifth and The littler one feels... still shits in the night. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Fifth and sixth grade feels pretty old. Oh, they to know still Santa. Believe in Santa yeah. Claus. Okay, nonetheless, parents are not happy. It's something that shouldn't have been said, said one parent. Um, so this uh, Allers, A H L E R S, Allers, Boyd Allers, father of a fifth grade boy and a sixth grade girl, said his son still believed in Santa Claus. Question mark. Quote, he doesn't believe now. I told my, I told his son's name, it's blocked out. It was it was something that shouldn't have been said. Santa Claus was something that was done for the child, the joy of the child to experience Christmas, the spirit of Christmas. Eventually, he would have learned. Um, Ray Schott said, it was my job to tell my son this. Um, apparently, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's sort of fucked that he did that. Apparently, it also, like, went around the school really quickly. So, like, um, Aller said, all the kids are talking about it. Even the very young children are sure to hear the, that the bishop said there is no Santa Claus. Tell me how you feel about this story. Of I the don't bishop know. ruining Santa for them? For the graders. Yeah, I mean, one, they, they probably, most of them already knew. But even, let's say they didn't. It's, let's say they didn't. It sucks, right? Yeah, like, just let, let them figure it out on their own terms. The fun of Santa... For me, as an atheist, and I'm not the first one to say this, is that, yeah, it's a myth, but it is fun because I know you're going to grow out of it. That's the whole point. And it is kind of fun as a parent, I assume, when my kids get that old. You assume if parents have fun. (laughs) I assume it'll be fun to kind of watch the kids figure that out. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you know? How did you figure this one out? Did you? I've heard people like, well, I left cookies and then they were eaten, or I tricked Santa some way, uh-huh. and he fell for it, or like I don't know, I put poison in the cookie, and like nothing happened. Santa's still fine. What? I don't know. What Whatever happened? experiment these kids run, don't keep cyanide is... in your house, Hammett. Yeah, your a... daughter cannot. Be I trusted. didn't have enough locks for the cabinet. They'll, they'll get to it. <laughs> but like, it is kind of fun to see how they debunk Santa because, as has been said, Santa Claus is training wheels for mm-hmm. God. But in the Catholic bishop's case. It's like what's yeah, it definitely you're just wasn't ruining. his place. Yeah, it wasn't his place. And like, why? What's the point? Super killjoy thing. Yeah, that's maybe he it. was jealous. But maybe I mean, he was like, but he's Santa a gets all the bishop. Cr- Being a killjoy is kind of their thing. <laughs> but he's like, Santa gets all the credit when really it was Jesus who died. <laughs> 
Did like, I get that right? Is that sure. how Christmas works? Let's hope he's not teaching um, sex so ed. You're not, <laughs> so you're not of the ilk of atheists who say lying to your kids about Santa Claus is tantamount to lying to them about religion? No, because I, I think the lie, quote unquote, comes with the understanding that it's not going to be a lie forever. At yeah. some point, I am going to tell them the truth. Or yeah. better yet, they're going to figure it out for themselves. Right. And I so I don't care like I don't care for the idea that you shouldn't teach your kids about Santa because it's just in good fun yeah it's there isn't it's it's a fun tradition it's not harmful so yeah I'm doing it screw you all (laughs) well the argument I've heard is like if your kid finds out you've been lying to them like no knowing no knowing that you've been lying to them Something, something, something. I don't know. Kid, the kid's broken. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's... They're going to lose their trust in you somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Dude, what it is. I lie to my kids about everything. <laughs> They're going to be disappointed in many ways. <laughs> At least the Santa thing comes with gifts. Well, yeah, but I think also the other thing is when they do learn, they then become kind of the stewards of this myth for like other little kids. Yeah. So it's it's very it's a very good you're right it's, it's empowering it's a, and it's a close circle of under of like myth because you know it's fake but you're part of the group that's like oh let's still keep it magical yeah. for little kids and yep. yeah i think that's that's a fair argument to be made yeah that's not what the bishop had in mind so that guy's yeah just... no i don't think he had a long thoughtful conversation with his <laughs> podcast co-host about it um we don't have any lists in our mail this week um, get on that i know people sending us friendly atheist podcast at gmail.com if you give us a five-star review we will totally read your question that's the payoff. I'm sure that's legal. That and that's definitely how reviews and emails work. Yeah. We get it. We have a, che- a checklist. Um, go to our Patreon. Um, we're like halfway to doing a live show in terms of our fundraising goals. So we'll see if that happens. Um, and what else? Rate, review, subscribe. Tell our friends. Tell a friend. Do you have a friend? No. Tell them about this podcast. Oh, yes. no, I'm not talking to you. Oh, I'm talking to the audience. Okay. I know you don't have any friends. No. Your only friends are me and Dottie. And yes. I don't think you like Dottie Not very really. much. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> um, you, if you need Christmas gifts, at uh, my Etsy shop is bitches get stitched. Bitches get stitched done. Um, order soon because I'm going to shut that shit down as soon as I get overwhelmed, which is going to be in like five minutes. I met Hem and Met on Twitter, and one thing I will be posting in the next few days is a comprehensive, as far as I can tell, list of all the election, all the races that I'm watching that involve openly non-theistic candidates. And you might think we're talking about a small handful of people across the country. Uh It's not small. Uh, And I've been doing this with a group that follows this stuff Uh who has asked candidates at the state level and and the federal level, you know, what do you, how do you label yourself? Are you openly non-religious? A lot of them said yes. I'm, cool. We're talking more than a hundred wow. state level and above. Um, so I'll be posting that spreadsheet. That's what I'm going to be using to track things because, um, at least for the website and this podcast, those are the races I'm interested in. Yeah, plenty of other ones are important too, but those are the ones uh, I'll post about so you can Should follow. Should we do along. like an election night special? There's no way I'm available then. <laughs> I tried pawning off my kids to anybody for that night. Nobody wants like, them. Nobody wants them that night. Because uh, I have parents who are, poll, who are working. Uh-huh. Oh, um, they're working the polls? They're working the polls. Nice. There you go. Um, you can bring them. Daddy will watch them. And yeah, so there's just... All right, I get I get my kids and the TV that <laughs> night. And so I'll is, follow Is this. your wife with the judge candidate? She's working with a judge judicial candidate. And Ju- so no, I said judge candidate. Judge candidate. And they'll be at a... <laughs> 
They'll be at a party somewhere, which I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm watching TV. I'm not joining you all. I really want um, to. I was curious if there are any like return watch parties. Oh, yeah. That, and and for downtown ballot candidates, too. Well, but who I aren't live getting in the, the suburbs. Attention. I want to stay in the suburbs. I know. Oh, I'm sure there are somewhere. Do you think the TGI Fridays that I can walk to is going to have an election? Yes. <laughs> You'll be the only millennial there from what I hear, but yeah. I think that would be really fun. <laughs> Just me alone. Drinking nine ounce glasses of wine. That's the beauty of Aurora. You can get six or nine ounce glasses of wine. (laughs) Hashtag freedom. But okay, is that it? Yeah, we'll Uh, follow me on Twitter at blueberry b l u e b u r i e. Um, Yeah, send us listener mail. We we did all the things right. Yeah, sure. Okay, see you next week, guys. Bye.